Welcome back, everybody, to another Hollywood Cole Smooth Ramblings. I am Hollywood Cole, your host, here with Nick Themianos yet again. What is up, my friend? Not much. It's had a great uh, holiday break. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, about the same, man. So, uh, you, where are you working now? Still a hill, but uh, actually, where, what's that? Still, uh, st- I'm still at Hill Air Base in uh, oh, okay. Utah. Yeah, I thought that was the name of some store. So, I'm still a hill. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm still at the. I work at the base gym. You know, just. Uh, working at the front desk and fixing equipment and all that jazz, but we'll see what is happens it? the next couple months since Mandy will be separating in the summer. Okay, so everybody's getting out. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what's it like on the outside, man? I haven't been out on the outside for about twelve years now. <laughs> I <laughs> is it better? I love it. Oh yeah. I mean, even though I'm the federal, I'm a federal employee, but I mean, I definitely do get to appreciate more than the average uh, military member does now so it is yeah. quite nice okay well that's cool man i'm, I'm so deep in i just gotta i gotta ride it out man mm-hmm. i gotta ride the train so <clears throat> but you know it's kind of like you know i got out back in 2000 and what was it 14 i think and just went straight to the guard but i was done man and i was like i'm gonna be a civilian i used to joke around and be like you know what they call a traditional guardsman on orders and you're like what a civilian you know because i just like wanted to be known <laughs> i just wanted to be a civilian you know <laughs> yeah yeah and uh and so anyway but now full time i've kind of just drank the kool-aid again so to speak and just back in it man so i'm yeah, enjoying there's nothing, it there's nothing wrong with that i i still respect that i mean i was going to go guard to reserve and i was actually talking to a reserve recruiter but um i was uh coded on the medical side that I wasn't able to go to the reserve right away. So I went on IRR, the inactivated mm-hmm. nervous reserve. So I filled out the paperwork and all that. And I'm like, all right, well just keep in touch whenever I'm like, all right, cool. So then when I literally what not, uh, when I actually did separate from the air force back in May of this year, you know, I was working at target, whatever, just making just some mm-hmm. side money for the time being. And then June came and then I got the notification saying that, my disability rating was approved and I got 90% disability and I'm like, what? Yeah. So I'm like, I practic, I'm basically retired. (laughs) Right. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I can't go reserve. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. What's that? That's like $1,500 a month or something. I mean, it depends on the thing. Yeah. I don't know how that stuff works really. I know I'm 10% disabled and that's $140 a month, which I don't get at all until I retire. And, oh, then really? even at, and then even at that point, it's just $140 of that retirement pay is not taxed <laughs> until oh. you're over like 50% or something. Then you start getting more money. But mine's for my hearing, dude. I, ca- I can't hear real well. Uh, uh, did you get tinnitus? Is that what it was from? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got I got ringing constantly in my ears and it's so constant that I just don't even hear it unless I stop and listen for it, you know? Yeah. But anyway, just... uh. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to work when it's time for me to get out. It's, you know, you always got something that happened to you in 20 years or whatever, you know. Always keep going to the doctor, man. I was really surprised. I <laughs> I was genuinely surprised. I was like, all right, thanks, oh, man. That's great, man. That's really good. Um, well, anyway, so to for the uh, matter at hand. So uh, I thought of you immediately, man. I was just sitting there playing um, with Horizon Zero Dawn just recently. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you listened to our podcast. We did a top 10 
uh, me, and, me and Clearfire, top 10. And what we do is at the end of every year, it's kind of tradition, it's our second year to do it. There are top 10 games in 2018. So it's not just the games that came out in 2018. It's just kind of what we've been playing that year. <clears throat> and I did not include Horizon Zero Dawn on my list. I forgot about it. So I just kind of took that as a sign of, well, it must not, I mean, I knew it was good, but it was, uh, I just kind of, you know, it didn't really stick with me for whatever reason. Well, I got back into it and man, it is like really good and I'm really enjoying it. And, uh, and I was like kind of thinking about the design of the game, like what makes it so good, mm-hmm. you know, and just, just something that's really complex in that the, the, the robots, you know, they're hard enough to where you want to avoid them. But if you get in a fight with them, they're not like just, you know, unbeatable. You still mm-hmm. got to use a little strategy and skill. And they did a really good job with that. Um, so I was thinking, you know, what what do I kind of want to see in modern games? What do I not want to see in modern games? What do I bring back from retro? Because I was playing Final Fantasy three for our reviews off the SNES Mini. And kind of like, what about retro do I want to see in modern games? Or, you know, whatever. What, what would make a good game? What aspects do I like about the, where the gaming industry going, and where do I not like it? And you being a you know old game designer, uh, kind of geeking out with me back in the day, and I said, "Dude, this is perfect for Nick. I got to I got to send him a text and see if he wants to be on here and chop this up." So we appreciate yeah. you uh, joining. Of course, I love being on here. It's a blast. So, <laughs> so what um what is your favorite type of game? What's your favorite genre? I love. RPGs, that's uh, always been my thing. Um, if it's got a great story and, you know, good gameplay, I, I'll i pick it up. It doesn't matter, like, if it's a first-person RPG, like, uh, you know, the Elder Scrolls games or, you know, third-person where, uh, you know, like, a you know, traditional ones like uh, Final Fantasy or Zelda, even though Zelda is more of an adventure game than an RPG, but, you know, Sure. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Usually, with those that usually get get my attention anyway, is something that has like uh, like a grand scope or just like an epic set piece. There's a lot of lore that you could dive into, and the way you could build your character. They don't have to be just the same guy, you know. Like you, you could play however you want it. That's I've always enjoyed. Yeah. So yeah, RPGs. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thing too, man. I've always been a big RPG fan. Um, I'm just uh, you. You reminded me of something. I'm writing it down here about the lore. So is it more about the story, or is it more about character development for you? Both. The RPGs. Uh, no, it's so, both. So uh, I mean, I know character development can go in two ways. So one, obviously, developing your character, and you know, in this in the stat power, pool and the power yeah. perks, feats, whatever. Um, or, you know, like in the character development sense of like how your character character arcs, etc. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's the NPCs themselves or the, or even your main character, like if they have their own like set personality, but you get to see how they evolve either from your choices that you make or just the story leading them to that path. It's, uh, you know, I've, I've always found that interesting. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things that I've uh, seen in these modern games that we kind of hit on today or yesterday with the uh, Final Fantasy three, if you hadn't heard it yet, we just released it today. Um, but I kind of get back into that one just for the, just for the playthrough that we're doing a, a four part series or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just had the idea cause I started playing it and recording it. Just, I was going to do like a little review or something. And then I was like, man, you know what? This game is, is great. And I was scared. We weren't going to do it justice. So four part is perfect. We're trying to introduce the story to people that have never you know, played it. But anyway, playing it, I started to realize like, man, this, this really is a good game even today. And, and like, what makes it so good? Well, I mean, it's something as simple as you kind of understand as I advance through the game. And, and so, you know, so much I want to, let me just, I don't want to get too, too far ahead, but it's uh, Coach RX had mentioned it that Japanese RPGs are experts at it and the American RPGs just hasn't, haven't quite grasped the risk versus reward. It doesn't seem, you know, like, you know, and it may just be a retro thing. So like I said, we're just rambling on. I'm just thinking out loud here, but um, in Final Fantasy three uh, for the SNES, you are, you know, as you advance, if you go to a cave anywhere, it's, it's just think dark world, okay? And you're, you're wandering around. You go to a cave and the enemies are, are very difficult. Mm-hmm. You know that there's going to be something good in that cave. If you can survive, you're going to get an item that is going to, or, or two or three, you know, you see the, the chests all around the cave. And man, you, you get to one, you're like, dude, this is going to be great. You open it up. What is it? You go check the stats, check the description. Hook it up on your on your primary guy, right? Yeah, of course. One of, the, of course. <laughs> you always make your guy the strongest, and um, you know. But in American RPGs, like that, really hit me. And I, I don't mean to talk bad about the Elder Scrolls series, but this is one thing that uh, this is you know the American RPG uh, Skyrim. I remember there was a hidden chest. I was walking around a cave, just happened to look up, and I could barely see a little chest up there. And I was like, dude, I got to get that. And so I looked around like, this is going to be, it's like a little puzzle. It's a little platforming in Skyrim to get this chest. So I get up on the thing, I jump and I almost make it. I mean, I spent 30, 45 minutes trying to figure out how to get up there. I finally do open it. And it was like a piece of food, like a piece of bread. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, bro, what? Why is this not something good? But when you have an open world like that, where you can literally just go anywhere from the beginning, Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you can't get, you know, you could just walk straight to the best weapon. I mean, you know, there's put some type of wall and where there's a big enemy there or something. Um, if it's hidden, I know it's random in the chest in those games. And that's mm-hmm. probably part of the problem to me. But, you know, even Final Fantasy was in the, in the dark world was pretty wide open. Mm-hmm. And they just used the, uh, you know, the, the, the difficulty of the monsters as kind of a, a barrier. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you say that. Cause I mean, again, that's another Bethesda thing. Like even playing fallout, like you're going through this intense dungeon, you're fighting all these monsters, you get to these puzzles and you're like, Oh my God, I see this chest. Get, I'm going to get, <laughs> I'm going to get me something awesome. And then you open it rib cage and you're like, <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I get it too. I mean, I know they're, like you said, I think it's more of a balancing thing. And of course, you know, they have the random and I think it uh, it could potentially scale with anybody or it depends on the on where the that level is in that area, you know. So like mm-hmm. it might have been like, you know, the monster scale to your level, but because you're in a low level area, you're going to get low level loot. So I could understand that to a degree, but I don't know if yeah. it was like you said, it might be a design aspect that they're just like, nah, no, you have to fight like the hardest legendaries to get. The yeah. incredible gear. 
And Fallout did that where they have a legendary and you knew that if you killed it, it was going to drop something mm-hmm. or an elite or whatever they called it. That was really cool. Um, and I kind of wonder if it is just a retro gamer in us that we expect that and, and newer gamers just kind of guess a chest. Well, it might have something good. You know, they just don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are great games. Um, and those would certainly be on my list of let's keep this going as, as things to I like in games, those type mm-hmm. of games. But, you know, that risk versus reward, like I don't have to go to this optional area right now. In fact, I'm not even supposed to. Mm-hmm. But if I can somehow trick my guys out or use some sort of strategy to get there, and then I can, um, I can get the get the big the big loot, get out of there. Now I'm that much more powerful. Mm-hmm. So I like that. But oh, I do too. I, I love. I mean, <clears throat> I I like working for it. Like, uh, I know there's people that they kind of find a way, like, or they glitch their way to get, like, the incredible stuff and then make the game easier. I never understood that concept. Yeah, I don't like that. Like, I get if you want to challenge yourself after you beat the game, you've done everything left and right, and you want to do something like that. But I hate the people that they solely just want to break the game just to beat it or just to get the best thing yeah. right off the bat. And, like, well, where's the challenge? Just... Yeah, just look at a YouTube video. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. Uh, and that's part of my thing with the str- – you know um, – the, the, the appeal to games to me in general is that I feel like I always have to kind of be doing something. I can only sit there and watch what we call passive entertainment for so long, you know. Oh, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad I have someone that agrees with me with that. I lose my mind. Yeah. I can't sit down and watch TV longer than an hour. Like my yeah. wife, can, Mandy, can binge watch Netflix all oh, day and be content. And then... And then they're, you know, then I'll sit there, I'll watch a show with her, and then I'll get bored. Like, even though I really like the show, I just can't. And then they're like, yeah. how do you spend 10 hours on the computer playing games, but you can't sit, like, for two hours watching a movie? And, like, it's because I'm engaged. It's like... Yes. It's because you're you're in your RPGs, for example. You're mm-hmm. problem solving. You are developing something. You are making progress, even though it is, quote, maybe artificial. Mm-hmm. It's still that illusion of of progress and if i'm going to be watching tv and making no progress or uh playing a video game but you're 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 able to exercise whatever part of your brain that is that i need to strategically the 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 developers have presented me a problem and now i got to solve it and i'm going to try to solve it better than they expected you know or whatever it's just Mm -hmm. i love those type of game puzzle games i'll play forever i don't like like a tetris or something I, i Almost did a top five most overrated games of all time, and Tetris would have certainly been on that list, man. I mean, <laughs> like it's just—I mean, it's a cell phone game that came out for Nintendo. You know, I don't mean to, it's a great game. Everybody played it. it probably got a lot of folks in gaming, but that's like yeah. man, it's just going to be—it's just going to make some people mad if I do one like that. But um, you know, but I do like those kind of strategy games and, and stuff like that, and just trying to challenge yourself to, to complete it. But that's mm-hmm. why—that's why I like the game. Mm-hmm. And so, if a game doesn't offer me that. I won't really play it. Um, you know, uh, like Smash Brothers, for example. Great game. I play with my son. We have a good time. But I'm not going to play it longer than 30 minutes, you know, right. or 40, 45 minutes. It's just not, it's just kind of mindless. I mean, you do your tactics and stuff, but, mm-hmm. and fighting. But I mean, you know, I, I'm going to do the same moves on the person that's attacking me 
every time I might switch it up if he's going to be sitting there shooting a gun or whatever. And I got to try to dodge bullets to get to him. Um, but you know, it's pretty much, I'm going to run at you and try to punch you in the face <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, it's over exactly. and over. <laughs> so not so much on these other games. So, um, well, we can just kind of, I got a little list here okay. of things that I do not like in modern games and things that I would like to see in modern games. And we can kind of develop this perfect game here if you want to. So, yeah, um, I think I've got I'll a couple of, ideas as well. So you go okay. ahead, you start it up. All right. So the first thing on stuff that I do not want to like in modern games, and I'm kind of on the fence about it. I really am. And people will be surprised if you listen to this podcast forever, but microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I'm on the fence with microtransactions. If they're done correctly, I'm all about them. Right. Because I put uh, I put in on Facebook the JCPenney Catalog 94, 1994 games. Uh, if, if you Are you following us on the Facebook by, by chance? Uh, I don't have Facebook anymore. <clears throat> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it uh, it's the 94 catalog, and it has games in there, Maximum Carnage, Super oh. Street Fighter 2. They're $69.99, and I mean it when uh, Final Fantasy 3 came out. It was $79.99. Well, that equates to about $130 today you know, yeah. with inflation. Yeah, and, and so Carter Trick was the same thing too. I remember that. Yeah, those games are massive, and uh, that's expensive. And so, and you only needed a team of less than half of what they have nowadays for a game like Witcher or, you know, I don't know, CD Projekt Red's crew might be small for all I know, but you know, just the Smash Bros. For example, at the end you got to fly through and shoot all the names. I mean, there's it takes three minutes to scroll through all the credits. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean. And Mario Brothers, you know, might have a team of 10. You know, Mario 3, a team of 20. You know, you got to pay all of these people now. And the game's still $60. Granted, the market's bigger. But um, I, I personally don't know why they don't raise the price. Maybe it's just the sweet spot. They've tried that. It didn't work. And um, But they have to make the money up somehow. Well, with a lot, especially nowadays, um, they barely break even when they sell the main game. So then they try to, they get their extra money that they make. It's usually through the DLC. Yeah. There's the shady practices of like, you know, people finding out like, well, why are you giving us, why are you charging us for the DLC when it's literally in the base game and we have to pay to unlock what's already there when you sent it, you know? So, I mean, there's some shady things about it, but I do agree that if they have to, it's a delicate balance of it. Like if you're getting, I, with the microtransactions, if it's just purely cosmetic, go ham. Go, you know, if yeah. you want to spend, you know, uh, and it's also got to be reasonably priced. Like, don't tell me, you know, you're going to spend fifteen dollars just to get a gray skin for your staff. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. whoever thought of that idea, you get horse you, armor. Yeah, exactly. Like the horse armor. Everybody <laughs> lost their mind with the horse armor for Oblivion, but then every. <laughs> But I mean, they never really did something like that again. Like they had, well, the Creation Club they do, but yeah. uh, but they don't like usually like the Bethesda learned in a way where okay, so the DLC if they're gonna get a DLC they're gonna get like oh okay they're gonna get armor they're gonna get like it's like a, a bundle you know like when when you look at Skyrim's DLC you had Dawnguard you had Dragonborn like Hearthfire wasn't a lot but you got to make a house and stuff, which you could start yeah, seeing yeah. like the fundamentals of what they were implementing for fallout four, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, 
those things they had like a substantial thing to add so like when you're talking about dlc for that that's perfect and i think mm-hmm. you know the, and and that's perfectly fine you know to have that in a game but like that's something that developers now need to kind of give a heads up in development for fans because a lot of people like it just seems like a lot of people are really scrutinizing and developer to see you know because it's money it's their money like what are you doing that you want my money is this worth it so like uh again back to the microtransactions it should be purely cosmetic but it should also be uh financially tasteful like it should not be like you're you're destroying our wallets just to get something that's you know really trivial like I, i don't i mean like i get that they put a lot of effort to the art and and everything and putting it in the game but i mean it's it's where you got like hundreds and thousands of possibilities to do with whatever you want and then you know and you're gonna charge like a color swap or you know you're giving me something that's just just there you know you know you want me to pay 20 bucks like that's uncalled for yeah and i mean you talk about the dlc and uh i kind of brought it up on the the final fantasy podcast but um so the reason i keep mentioning this is because if you're hearing this twice just sorry but um it is a uh you know, the argument for the DLC would be, well, you know, like a Final Fantasy, $80, $130 today. Well, you might not like the game. So now you're only buying some of it. Realize you didn't like it. Now you don't have to buy the whole game for 130 bucks. Mm-hmm. You only bought it for 60 But the problem is, you know, I, I would probably play for something like, uh, you know, let's just say like Destiny 1 comes to mind with all the way to Taken King. Well, that was... You know, thirty for the two expansions. Taken King was forty, so now you're at seventy plus. Actually, plus sixty for the game, so you're at right at one hundred thirty. Yeah, for two years. Um, but what happened? The problem with Destiny was that let's just say, and this go for any game, you play it and you beat all the base game content. Well, now you wait three months to get a DLC. You pay fifteen bucks and you only play it for a week, and now you're done again. You wait another three months. You know, mm-hmm. and so then just give me the whole game that I can go through and just, just. You know, play the play the whole game at once is on my time, not be hamstrung by your timeline. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But um, you know, I, Michael, you know, when you look at it that way, if you took those out completely, and the tastefulness is just going to be, you know, it's a balancing act for mm-hmm. sure. You know, would they make AAA games? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I said this a million times, but you know, Witcher Three, I didn't even touch. I probably got halfway through that game. I played it for hours mm-hmm. and I bought both of the DLCs without, I don't even played the DLCs. I bought them and I think I downloaded them, but mm-hmm. just because I wanted to support that company, man, cause that's a lot of game for 60 bucks. That is a ton of game and it is great. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, we'll see how that. Uh, what's the other one coming out? Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I'm gonna lose my mind with that one. Yes, I'm looking oh, forward dude. to that. Shadow Run, you know, it's gonna be that type of thing. I hope. Any, anything futuristic where, you know, you got to get some robot arms and cool weapons and kind of a dystopia of just anarchy. You know, it's just kind of cool. You know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so that's one thing that I, you know, I don't like in games but like i said i understand it so it's going to take a little bit of a balancing act anyway all right um what i do want to see in games i'll just kind of jump back and forth i do like just like you said character development is in in terms of 
my character changes in power and ability. Um, and it kind of goes hand in hand with uh, my sec number two on I like with like the type of a skill tree, not the illusion of a skill tree. You know, you see this with like Destiny 2 to where you're going to unlock all the, you know, you just, you might as well just unlock the, what I get in order. Like, um, I, I can't even remember. It's been so long, but mm-hmm. as the hunter, you know, you unlock a certain grenade and the next level you get, you get to unlock something else. Well, the only thing you can really unlock, you're going to unlock the triple jump or another grenade, but in, in you know, in no time you're going to have them all. Don't even, that's not even, that's not a skill tree. It doesn't distinguish my character from anything. It just unlocks abilities. That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. It just unlocks abilities. The skill tree is something that you can distinguish yourself from other characters. Just like World of Warcraft, when it first came out, mm-hmm. you know, the, the classic, which they're going to release again, you know, you had tons of, you had three different specs, let's say for the Paladin. Paladin, you know, you got protection spec, which is like a tank. And you got retribution spec, which is a DPS and, and a healing spec that is for healing and you can mix and match and just really develop your own guy. Mm-hmm. The argument against that is that, well, in game, everybody's expected to be at a certain spec. So it's just the illusion, which is not, I'm not an in game player like that. Mm-hmm. And besides, you know, I can, maybe I, you know, you at least have that option to figure it. And that's kind of on the game designers to figure out how to trick out the guy, however they, you know, Hey, we can make this guy a good healer for a raid or a good DPS for a raid or whatever. Not just, everybody's the same, you know, and I don't like, ba- and I don't like balance that much. I'll be honest with you. I like make a character do what he wants. There's going to be a good gun. There's going to be a good, uh, character spec that has the best DPS. Don't make me, t- I want to chant spells and have just as much DPS as a rogue. Well, you don't, you have other abilities like teleport. That's what you traded off. You can go to city to city rogue. Can't, you know, I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. I don't like something that's completely dominant, just one thing where everybody's using it and it's no good. You know, you can't, there's no need to get anything else, but don't try to make them all equal, just different. You know, like uh, I like them to, to have, there's going to be a better DPS. There's a better tank. There's a better healer. There's a better uh, guy that can summon food. I mean, I don't know, man, just make it distinguishable. That's what the RPG is mm-hmm. in these MMOs. But, um, but anyway, skill trees leveling up, just come progressing the character i feel like i'm doing something as i'm grinding so yeah i like that i like with the skill tree i also think that there's i can't think of anything off the top of my head but i have seen games where you'll get your skill tree i think it was uh surprisingly uh age of reckoning uh kingdoms of ammo oh yeah 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 and then so you have your guy and you can spec him out but it's also like you can spec them in so many different ways and you could also change how they utilize their weapons and like you could specialize in a specific weapon even though they're in so like you know like chakras like uh, that's more of a magic weapon but like you know the way that he's using uh just flinging these like magic like uh, blades around around him and stuff like that but i've always loved that skill uh that weapon but i mean my do is super tanky and roguey at the same time but he's just so he doesn't ever use daggers or like a two-hander he literally uses the chakras but he's like you know built like a tank but he's also just as uh finesse as a rogue and stuff so he's just it's just massive crit damage you know and i i did enjoy like that and uh yeah another uh pillars of uh pillars of eternity 
the second game especially uh they they reincorporated uh, the skill tree so then you can definitely so they have one side that's like a skill tree of just like uh just active abilities and you know and then the other side where your passives at, so like you could you know depending on the level that you get you could either have two points so you could put one to each or you could divvy the two points into one side or the other side yeah. and i love that too because then your guy is how you make them and then by the end of the game you know you completely awesome or really crappy dude if you did <laughs> yeah. not you did not know what you're doing you know so yeah. like diablo 2 i mean yeah. um, their skill tree is perfect like me and a friend of mine uh lp uh, war chief gaddy is what his name is on a psn but um he we played diablo 2 you know and he would have the necromancer and like the first thing you can unlock is how to you resurrect a skeleton from oh, a dead body yeah. Yep. And so you could keep putting points on that, you know? Now you resurrect two. Now you resurrect three. Now you resurrect four. And this dude had an army of like 25 skeletons, yep. you know, running with him. It never. And so, yeah, of course, when we got to Diablo, Diablo snapped his fingers and killed every one of his ads, you know, whatever those little <laughs> extras. So he had to fight them normal and he'd get smashed. But <laughs> it was awesome to walk through. And see a mobbing on everything, you know. Yeah, so, and I remember having such a crappy computer at the time, and it would just tank the computer. <laughs> way back. So, home. but uh, let me just clarify a little bit on the balance. If it's a multiplayer game, that you gotta have, you can, you know, it's there's it's to be expected to some degree. Um, mm-hmm. As long as the the characters are differentiated enough to feel completely different, mm-hmm. or, or just different sniper versus shotgunist, you know. You know, that's fine. One's good at long distance. If the sniper catches you from the long distance and you're shotgun, it's, you're probably going to die. Mm-hmm. But same p- p- token, if a shotgun guy can run around a corner and catch up with you close range and you're a sniper, you should, you know, it, you might have to get a lucky shot in because the shotgun guy's obviously going to win. Mm-hmm. And see, but, but people hate that sometimes. It seems like it seems that way on Call of Duty. But anyway, what I'm talking about with the balance is you take uh, like the 2K um, gearbox with, um, Borderlands and all this, and with Borderlands too, that big guy—I can't remember his name—the one of the characters you can pick, and he can hold two. It's rage oh, ability gun, or whatever. Oh, the Gunzerker dude. Yeah, yeah Gunzerker. He could put two guns in there. So they were like, "Well, I remember in an interview they asked him like, well, I mean, if y'all thought about the balance of the game, you know, if uh, what if there's two really good guns, is he going to be able to fully utilize their abilities?" And they go, yeah, we don't, we're not going to go that deep into it. We just want you to have fun with it. If you can figure out a way to trick this guy out to where he's just, you know, OP, then have fun, you know? And yeah. it's just like, oh, that's so great, man. That's what yeah, I'm talking about. I do like that. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, all right. So, <clears throat> a couple of things. This is a Horizon Zero Dawn mm-hmm. uh, gripe. And I've seen it in other games, too. So, it's not just on this one. Because it's really easy to come by. That's part of, part of the annoyance. But fast travel packs like dude what is that man like there's an item i have to use to fast travel and i can run out of them so then i can't fast travel anymore but i can make them pretty easily so i just got to go make more or i can buy them cheap why, why do you even have them in there why don't i just go i you know i don't understand that i like the convenience of fast travel but i really wish it wasn't as uh, as easy with well, utilizing. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Fast travel packs, though. I like yeah. fast travel. 
right. the packs to where I can only fast travel 10 times or I run out of packs. Right. You know, I and, I, and, I, and I totally get that. I understand that. Okay. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like with the, with the fast traveling itself, like I kind of like having some sort of limitation now. Okay. Yeah. Making the, the fact that you have to make it or you got to use it or some, a special item. I'm thinking, you know, like the town portal scrolls back in Diablo, yeah, you know, and then exactly. when Diablo three came out, you just hit T and you're good. You don't have to worry about a cooldown or anything like that. I think there needs to be a better way of utilizing it. Like, you know, I, I get Elder Scrolls, okay, you finally discovered the location, and, you know, I happen to use that as a big reference because, you know, that they're kind of one of the first few guys that did the fast travel and they made it so big. But, I mean, it's like I I think the way they did it in Morrowind, and even if you think about it, uh, the Grand Theft Auto games or even yeah. Red Dead Redemption, like I like the – I like fast travel to be where – you can use it as a as a convenience and not as a crutch. So, yeah. like in Morrowind, you go to you know you go to a, a location and you're like, oh hey, you know you want to take a silt uh, a silt strider to go to this region, or you know in Grand Theft Auto you take a cab, you you know, mm-hmm. it, or even in Red Dead Redemption you take a carriage or even a train and it'll take you to certain locations. Not the not every not every fast travel point can take you to xyz but um you know like so you have to utilize all the different forms of transportation to get you there and i think that kind of it's still like it'll take you to where you need to go or relatively near where you need to go but at the same time it still encourages that exploration and 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 finding unique things on the way because that's the problem with fast travels like okay i got here i'm gonna go here just because I saw where this location's at, I probably never have gone inside it, <laughs> you know. But yeah. I have to go there just to go to over here, and I—that's—I never like that. But yeah, that I can see that the how that could irk you, like, oh, I got ten of these things, so now I have to be strategic about it. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just don't see why why it's, why it's even valid. I mean, mm-hmm. I can fast travel. Or, I mean, yeah, I got ten of them, and they're very easy to make. So I just go in there and make five more and then I go through, but why would I have to go through that extra step? But anyway, right, right. right. And I agree. So they should have made it. They should have definitely made it where it's a little bit more difficult. So it gives you that sense of strategy or, you know, be, be tactical with how you want to utilize it. Like, do I want that? No, maybe I'll hoof it over here and then use it, you know? Yeah. See that, that would be at least I could kind of get where they're coming from with it. Mm -hmm. But that kind of brings me to my, uh, one of the other things I like in a game. So we're talking about the fast travel, um, and this is what games need to utilize. Um, and we talked about it a little bit on the Symphony of the Night podcast. What made Symphony of the Night so great with the grinding and, this, and the exploration that was different from Super Metroid mm-hmm. was that when you kill an enemy, of course you get levels. And, and it, it actually matters. Like Horizon Zero Dawn, you kill enemies and you get experience. And I'm just using that as an example. Uh, but it's really just... It's just... You know, it doesn't move the needle that much on your experience meter. You know, hardly at all. You get mixed. You get experience from doing quests mm-hmm. in that game. Um, but a game like Symphony of the Night, you get not only do you get experience from killing these monsters, but they have the chance to drop something great. You know, and so as you're having to walk from A to B, there you never know what's going to happen. You could get a great item. You're actually going to get. Pro, you're actually going to build your character to some meaningful level. 
as you play through it, you know, as you're walking. Um, kind of like you said, and, and it's, it, with Horizon Zero Dawn again, you go to your, like, your active quest or your side quest and you'll pick one and it's on the other side of the map. Why didn't you just make it close to the area that I, I got the quest, you know? Yeah. Um, why would it have to be over there? Let, let me go to this area. Find, it's like the old Dragon Quest games. Hey, I'm in a new town. I'm going to do all the quests in the town mm-hmm. and go to a new town, do all the quests in the town. I mean, you know, why would you make it that way? But anyway, that's just, uh, this is kind of little things like that. And remember, we're, we're kind of talking about these little things that I would like to, we would like to see mm-hmm. uh, in, in different games. So that chance to get something good while you're grinding mm-hmm. uh, is, is great. Something can happen, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, so yeah, that's, that is a good point. And, and up to your point again, uh, with the fast travel, there's a point of uh, contention in, uh, the world of Warcraft when they implemented the flying mounts. Um, and they're, they're kind of even what I, at least somebody on YouTube that had done a lot of research on the game. does a lot of Warcraft videos have s- said that blizzard is kind of, there's some people at blizzard says we should introduce the flying mount and some that say we, we glad that we did. And it is cool to fly, mm-hmm. but what that costs them is that you don't run into people, you know, as you're walking and traveling and getting to know them or, uh, or running into the horde. If you're the Alliance or vice versa, that could, a little skirmish could break out. Mm-hmm. You know, you just fly it over and then you don't see people in the zone. You just, it just kind of takes away from the interaction of the community. And, um, that's a big deal. And the, you know, that's especially with classic coming out again, you know, you're going to be on one server. You don't, tr- you don't fast travel, you know, you got to mm-hmm. fly on these Griffins from points to point, or you get a mage to teleport you. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll have to, you want to go to um, wetlands or something. You got to walk or to iron forge. You got to walk all the way through the wetlands and all the way through, you know, Hey, I got to get there. That's kind of fun. Hey, I see a, a, a gold vein over there. I can go hammer that, you know, mine that and get some money to take that iron forge with mm-hmm. me and put it in an auction. You know, it's just stuff. It's part of the adventure, you mm-hmm. know, that's part of the RPG factor. Now it's just a big MMO. Yeah. But anyway, um, Another little gripe I got that I think is worthless in games is uh, armor damage. Like, why am I, why does my armor take damage? Why is it, you know, unless you're going to be, unless you're going to be, okay, so let me, something like Skyrim, where, or any play, any game that you can be a, you have a skill called blacksmith, then it's acceptable, <laughs> you know, because you can fix it. Yeah. But a game like, um, uh, well, even like World of Warcraft, where, your armor takes damage. That's kind of your penalty for dying. I get it. You're going to spend some gold on that. So I see that. Um, let's see. Any, any kind of, but just armor damage where I got to just go to a merchant and get it fixed. Mm-hmm. That it's not a, that it's not a, uh, that it's not a penalty for dying. It's just something I got to do. My armor doesn't work as good unless I go spend some gold. After going on an adventure, I got to go there and repair my armor. Yeah. You, you like that? Uh, I don't mind. I think it's because I'm so used to it. It's not something I, I, Diablo uh, is a good example. Yeah. I, I could see it for something like Diablo, like, uh, but I mean, and they kept it in wow. And I was like, okay, sure. Uh, I, I kind of like kind of degradation and weapons or anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't mind it. Like, I, I was actually pleased in Fallout 76 that they brought the durability back into weapons and stuff. Um, but you have a, but me too. Final Fantasy or uh, Fallout Three is the mm-hmm. same way. But you have, you know, as a gunsmith, 
So yeah. that's cool. You, fi- you, you find a, you f- that's really cool. That's so those that fits, mm-hmm. you know, you find a hunting rifle. Mine's almost dead. Oh, good. There's another one. Instead of letting it sit in my inventory or going to sell it for 10 caps, I can use it. And then my weapon's more powerful yeah. and, and more durable. That's, yeah. that's cool. That's part of the RPG element of it. And those are fine, but just uh, an adventure game to where my armor de- degrades and I just got to go to the merchant and fix it. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of yeah, it. Yeah, and see, that's another thing. I think the like, at least in WoW, uh, I think in the, in the newer expansions, they might have implemented, like, uh, if you were, uh, like, a leather worker or a blacksmith, you're able to repair your respective gear. But I can't, it, by, by making the kits for them, uh, it, it works, but I mean, yeah. Uh, I th- it's just little, man. It's a little mm-hmm. thing. I mean, mm-hmm. none of these things are game breaking. You know, right, it's right, just right. fun to just gripe about them, I guess. But yeah, so yeah, you didn't seem to mind. You didn't really mind that one that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it fits the game, then um, exactly. I think it needs to fit the game. So I mean, if it's just there just to be uh, an annoyance, then yeah, that does need to be belonging. And uh, what do you think about um, monsters? that like final fantasy eight mm-hmm. that's a bad that's a bad example because they, they just try to introduce a whole new system that uh with the magic linking to, uh, hooking up to your stuff oh um, i did like the junction system in final junction, fantasy yeah, that's what I was trying to, yeah yeah i did too I, I i liked it i just didn't like how where it gets to a point that if you have like a super powerful fu- uh summon with your character and it's attached to certain spells and like they could you can make your guy incredibly powerful if you have a powerful summon along with the spells there that it, yeah. it, it like the moment you use that spell like and you really need it on a like i guess it's like a tactical sense like if you use it on a crutch you know that yes it'll help you in this pinch but now you're a little bit weaker than you were before to get you yeah. through to that that battle so then it's like okay then now i gotta grind for a specific monster that has that spell that i have to yeah. you know siphon off and it that but that use yeah. that one because um that's the first time i noticed uh especially in final fantasies where you're retro remember final fantasy 2 3 7 did not have the junction system but you know you grinded to get levels the more levels you get the more powerful you became it's really mm-hmm. simple but Final Fantasy VIII, and I'm not making fun of Final Fantasy VIII. I'm just using this as when I first noticed it. I was like, why am I not getting stronger? Oh, the monsters level up with you. Mm-hmm. And that is my whole gripe. I don't like when monsters level up with me. What's the point of me leveling? And I'm not talking about Final Fantasy. That's the junction system. Yeah. That's why that was like that. But you know, other games where if the monster is just going to level up with me, what's the point of even leveling? See, and... Yeah, I can agree with that. I think it's better that instead don't of... Don't they do that well, in... Uh... I, I, I See, I guess that might be the thing. Maybe just eliminate the the purpose of levels to get stronger, where you if you do get a level, it's more like, okay, you have a new ability, a new, uh, a, a new skill, skill of some sort. Like, you don't necessarily need to get, oh, I got 10 extra health points, I can do 3x more damage, you know, XYZ, like... If you want to make it that everybody's okay and on a level playing field and it requires skill, okay, cool. Like, I mean, I don't mind if you have to put a couple points like, okay, I do definitely need more health or I take less damage when, you know, when I'm wearing this or doing this skill. That's fine. But, yeah, I could see that. Um, and, and then this is more of a, obviously a retro 
gamer thing because mm-hmm. that's kind of what they do on the new ones. You just get skill points. Um, you level up on Horizon Zero Dawn, you get a skill point and you get plus 10 health. I mean, great. But your, your, bear, your arrows still do the same amount of damage. Um, and your crafting mechanic, which is really cool. And then you get more arrows and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you are, you know, thinking about Final Fantasy 3, where you learn magic. Uh, if your magic uses our Final Fantasy 2, to where, you know, Rita or Rosa, the two magic users, or any magic user, starts to learn spells at a certain level. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I guess we just automatically, back then, you know, when you gain a level, you got more powerful. You got your, you know, plus your strength went up, you know, all that kind of from Dragon Warrior, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, um, but I mean, but if usually, the slimes leveled up with you, there's no point in leveling up, you know. Well, that's true too. But if you realize though, when you're going through like those older games and you're leveling up, you're leveling up to the next area where they have the stronger monsters, and then sometimes sure. those monsters are too strong, and then you have to go back and then grind to get to the appropriate level to get back to fight the monsters that you, that now you're at their level. So I mean, yeah, but a slime versus a dragon, you know. Yeah. Now I'm fighting dragons. I've progressed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a there's a sense of imagination, and 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 I just can't help but think about uh, Clearfire talking last night on the Final Fantasy uh, three, where one of the relics is the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. You remember that relic? Did you play Final Fantasy three? No, you I did don't. Not, I never. That was play the that one, one I did play. You played Crown Strike. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you can get a there's a relic system. You get two whatever a relic. So you get a gauntlet. Well, it takes away your shield, but you hold your, your you hold your sword with two hands. Mm-hmm. It's just a little sprite, you know. You don't see him holding it. Mm-hmm. It's just he just still attacks the same way. Mm-hmm. Your little sprite does when you push fight, but he does more damage because he's holding it with two hands. Quote, you know. Mm-hmm. But the payoff is the trade off is that you lose defense. Mm-hmm. Well, clear was saying. Well, he has bucklers on his gauntlets and all this, and it made him. You know, that's how he blocks now. And I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? But it was just in his head, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. When, he's, when he's pretending, yeah. when he's playing, that that's happening. And so, you know, that that's cool. I mean, you know, you're, 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 you're it's sucking you in, you know. And mm-hmm. so when I'm fighting a dragon versus a slime, uh, I don't know, you know, a slime's a level one. Now I come back to the slime when I'm level 30, just, you know, out of the way, slime, you know, yeah. or anything, a ghost, or I'm just using dragon warrior as an example, but. Uh, or that dragon that was so difficult when you were level 20, now you come back as 40 and just, boom, wipe him out. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I like that. I don't want the dragon to level up with me, and it's the same difficulty as it's always been. Then I just feel like I'm not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's that's just, you know, open world games, they try to, they usually let them level up to a certain level. Mm-hmm. I think, Fall, does Fallout do this? I keep thinking about Fallout. Something keeps coming to my mind. Uh or is it for, one of the Elder Scrolls? Well, that yeah, does El- this? Elder Scrolls and Fallout Four did that. Uh, Seventy six, there, the monsters are gated to the region, so they'll, you know, they depending on where you're at, they're going to be at a specific level range. But there, are, uh, when you're doing some events, they, uh, some of them might scale up to you. Yeah, but once they get past a. Uh, level 50 because level 50 is like the soft cap where you can that's that's the last level you could put like a point into special and then after that every subsequent level after that you get perk cards that you can you know uh, get different perks to to differentiate your character but uh i mean yeah i mean there are higher levels but i I'm, i'm assuming they get uh stronger stats but i haven't noticed it 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of games will make it. It's like, okay, this is so weak enemy. He'll only level up to, you know, ten. Mm-hmm. And if you go past that, he's not going to get. He's not going to get stronger than ten. You know, so that that's acceptable to me. I mean, you know, it's nothing glaring really. I guess it just kind of stood out when, during Final Fantasy VIII when I didn't understand the. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, man, just a simple thing. Um, and this kind of comes back to Destiny or uh, it's just one of the games I'm thinking about. And I'm sure there's other games because you had mentioned, and I wrote this down while you were talking, so you were talking about the lore in the RPGs. Mm-hmm. I think that should all be in-game and not, you know, hey, come to my website or if you download this app, you get the you get the lore or, you know. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to like Final Fantasy 15 did to where they released a movie first. That's different. Uh, you know, if you watch the movie, you might understand it more and you, and you would, cause I didn't completely understand the story of 15. I love the game, mm-hmm. but um, you know, don't make me find, you know, not really understand what's going on in the game, but I got to get the lore outside of the game. I think if I they think- were to do it, um, Bioware did it the right way. I mean, uh, I think that that codex, so everything that you come across, so Bioware and uh, Obsidian, they, they both have different ways, but the, the way I think they do with the lore building and, the, and, 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 and enhancing the world for the player, I think they did it perfectly. So like with Bioware, you know, you're, you're, you come across something and then after you're, you're communicating with somebody and after you're done with the com- conversation, you'll usually get like a little codex updated. And then if you were to go there, it's like, Oh, you've encountered this beast or, okay, uh, this is, this is this person. They're from this system. And then it even goes like, you kind of go down that rabbit hole, like yeah. the Wikipedia rabbit hole. Like it goes, okay, you go further and it goes more and it expands the lore. You get more knowledgeable. It's more of like a G whiz thing, but you feel much right. more in tune to that universe. And then with obsidian, with, what they've been doing um they didn't really do it i mean they had like an encyclopedia in pillars of eternity one but then when you started seeing in tyranny and then they also did it for pillars of eternity two you'll you'll have the conversations and they'll talk about something and then a specific event or a special person or faction something of that nature is a different uh color and if you were to go over that highlighted color and you could click it a pop-up window comes and it'll it'll give you like a brief description of whatever that was like oh like you know the battle of xyz it's yeah yeah, this is the battle of xyz and this is what happened and these are the people and this is why they're pissed you know and you're like oh that makes a lot of sense now this is why they don't like me even though i wasn't participant but it's because of my race you know and uh you know and that's uh yeah i like that yeah that i think is great because not only is um you know, you can still play the game however it's made, and you'll you'll be fine. You'll catch on. But then, not only that, you can take on your own time without it being invasive. Like you want to know more about these people, you want to know more about this world. You can, and you could do it from there. And I've always liked, like, uh, you know, they uh, back in the day, like you know, the old school games and stuff. Like they'll have those companion guides, and it's yeah, uh, the old the old Blizzard games. Like if you get StarCraft, Diablo One, Warcraft Three, you know, Warcraft Two, they have those instruction manuals that you know tells you how to play the game. But there's literally short stories and history and sketches of all these different and ancient things that happened that led up to the game. You know, and it's I love that. I I I. I 
I need that. I think it's like a, it's def. If you're gonna have such a big game, or uh, you know, a RPG or lore wise kind of game, like you need something companion wise. It doesn't matter what media you want to put it in, but it should definitely be included uh, to the main game, so then that the players that are very interested can gravitate to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm all about um, building a universe and having these outside stories about it. But like um, something like uh, if 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 uh, like in Star Wars where mm-hmm. Luke meets Obi Wan Kenobi for the first time and Obi Wan just would have said, "Okay, you're going to be a Jedi. Go find Yoda. He's going to train you. Go." And you're like, "Well, wait. What is a Jedi? What does that have to do with mm-hmm. it?" But he kind of gave you know, if you have to go outside the game to figure out what a Jedi is, mm-hmm. you know, not good. But you know, here's what a Jedi is. Okay, why am I the last Jedi now? If you go outside the game, you know, maybe. If it, you know, you know, Luke being the last Jedi didn't affect the story; it enhanced the story. I mean, it's just one of those things that you have to learn. I don't like. I guess it's all. I guess it's kind of the same thing with microtransactions. If you try to take story out on purpose to get me to go to your app or your website just to get traffic there, um, you know, it's not good. But, no, you're uh, right I don't know, about man. that. You're right about that. That that shouldn't happen. Um, Destiny did that. That's why I like. Yeah, and, and I'm, I think they. I don't know if they changed that on two. I think they did. Yeah, but I mean, I only played it a little while. But I, in all honesty, I didn't even. I like. I, I I like Destiny, but I am so blind to the lore because of how they did it on the first one. Right. Because yeah, you're right. Like I didn't go on that app, but I mean, if it was in the game, like you could search in the game or like there was an archive section where you could read it or whatever. I, I probably might've taken some time to do it, but it was like, it, it did take a while before they actually implemented it. So when they finally did, it was like, God, oh, now it's over. I'm done. I'm good with it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the little things, I mean, I, I sound like I'm griping about new games mm-hmm. because, uh, am I, it, I'm happy to say that I am very happy with, the direction that gaming is going minus maybe cell phone stuff. Like when blizzard got up there, I guess it was E3. I don't know what it's like. And everybody was booing because they announced the new Diablo is going to be on the phone. And they're like, what does y'all not have a phone? And yeah. it's like, dude, are you serious? Are you even a gamer? <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, you know, uh, it's just unbelievable. So I don't like that aspect of it. Nobody's going to get an in-depth experience on a get on a phone. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, you'd like to get like tonight. Hey, it's nine o'clock or, you know, I got nothing to do today. I'm going to get lost in this game. I'm not going to sit there with my little cell phone and look at the little screen. But, you know, whatever. There's games for a cell phone that are fun. Um, and there's games for consoles and computers that are supposed to be competitive and blah, blah, blah. It's just more professional to be on a console. But anyway, as far as uh, modern games go, I mean, you need to look at Red Dead 2. You look at Fallout. You look at Witcher 3. You look at Horizon Zero Dawn. You look at all these uh, Grand Theft Auto, whatever. Um even some of the RPGs, uh, I do like that there's actually even a, a group that will create old school RPGs, you mm-hmm. know, that, that there's a market for that. Um, you know, so I'm not trying to sit here and say, oh, they need to go back retro by any means. I think that they have come a long way, even the Call of Duties. I think everything's evolving nicely. I think the gaming community as a whole mm-hmm. is all on the same page about what's fun, what they're willing to buy, and what they're not. It just uh, case in point with the microtransactions for Battlefront, you know, everybody threw a fit over it. Mm-hmm. Um, even with Destiny, everybody threw a fit over it. Um, 
you know, what we're willing to, to do and not do in the, you know, it's a healthy skepticism, kind of like in American, you know, where we're always rebellious because we found this country on rebellion and blah, blah, blah. And so it's always, you know, oh, big company. Oh, what are you trying to screw me over? I know, I know <laughs> what you're doing, you know, <laughs> you know yeah, so exactly. all, oh, government, I don't trust you either, you know. So uh, I think that that's kind of uh, good, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks when they're not trying to do that. But I mean, you know, it's the onus is on the company to just somehow let it be known that they can be trusted, not, uh, or, you know, but um, I, I, I like that, man. I think that we're doing really well. Um, I'm excited about PlayStation 5 and all this. I don't like the digital thing, just because it's more like a physical copy, you know, collector type of uh, deal there. Mm-hmm. But um, it is convenient. But I like to own something, especially with servers. And, you know, when it goes down, are you going to be able to play your game if you're not a PlayStation Plus member or whatever? You know, it's... I don't know how that's going to work, but a lot of these games are online anyway, so mm-hmm. they're not going to be worth anything later. But I don't know, man. I think the perfect game would just be SOCOM 2 re-released. Did you, ever, <laughs> <laughs> no, did you play SOCOM? No, because oh. I, didn't have a, I didn't have a PS2 at the time when the SOCOM games were out and popular. I was uh, more yeah. of an Xbox guy, but I think for me, for the perfect... The perfect game. So obviously, like we said, the lore, you know, an easily accessible lore, like it's there. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't have to be in your face. So like the codex and stuff on the side, I've always thought that was very fascinating to have it like that. Um, but I would do something with heavy lore, but I love the open world concept with the RPG elements of like, you know, Shadows of Mordor, Shadow of War, you know, yeah. like I like that, you know, that my guy is leveling, but he learns like a new skill. You know, I could choose what skill. Yeah, I mean, can you eventually get to have all oh. of them? If I would build that kind of game, I guess, yes. But I think the RPG element now would be like, how do you specialize your guy? So he's you don't have all the skills, but now you fine-tune him. Is he all stealthy? Is he all... He's a, you know, swordsman? Is he an archer, a magician? You know, anything, what yeah. have you. But then you make however you make your character and i think for me it would be something like that like a like fable or kingdoms of amalur i kind i like that i'm able to do that but then i want to be able that uh be able to interact with the world and it interacts with me with whomever i'm talking to i have responses to them it's not just you know like i I do want to rp in this big breathable world but i want to make it that my guy can do everything instead of just being behind a time gauge or stat a stat uh, that's going right. to dictate whether I hit or or miss. Yeah, true. I mean, I, I, like you say, I think of those shadow games. Uh, what if you're, you know, hey, I want to be, I want to play like a, a rogue mm-hmm. a character. You know, um, don't don't think about Lord of the Rings lore or anything, but just you know, hey, kind of run around and do that. Well, now I got to sneak. I'm better at sneaking, and I can get into these camps better. But now my attacks have to be more. You know, stealthy. If I stab somebody in the back, it may be a little harder to get there, but you're going to crush them. You know, um, as a warrior, you can take more damage. You just run headfirst in there. As a mage, you do you know mm-hmm. damage from afar. You know, an archer. You know, this kind of things um, to kind of fit your play style. And even within those different characters, you know, there's sub. You know, archer may have mm-hmm. uh, some swords or daggers on his hips. Well, you can kind of level those up too. If you feel like you can't, if you miss and you're, you're scared that they're going to get close. Well, now you're better with a dagger and you slice a throat or something, mm-hmm. you know, or you can focus on your skill points on making them more accurate, doing more damage with headshots, blah, blah, blah. 
better at, at uh, getting out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stuff like that. And, and a rogue, obviously, the standard stuff. Now he's going to be better at poison, so he just has to, you know, nick your heel, and then you're going to die eventually. DP, you know, uh, dots damage over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, the warrior can have two. You can dual wield or have you know specialize in two handed. You know, so so you see what I'm saying. You can kind of fine tune them that way, not just a, you know, get you know just everybody. You're going to get it all eventually. You know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that as much as I would be mm-hmm. where you can fine tune it. That also adds replay value. Hey, I was a poison rogue, and now I'm going to go in as a hunter. Try to play it that way. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Um, doesn't seem like that would be. I don't know. I don't know anything about programming, but. Uh, that's kind of stuff I like. And then also, like we talk about, as you're kind of leveling or grinding or getting from one place to the other, hey, this two-handed sword. And that's kind of cool if you're a two-handed warrior, uh, two-handed, uh, you know, using two-handed, then this two-handed sword or two-handed axe drops. You're like, dude, I'm not two-handed, but this axe is sick. I'm going to have to get this skill, you know, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's just fun. It's, you just never know what it's going to do. And just kind of, I don't know. Those, those are my favorite too, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't know. There's a lot of different aspects, and we're just talking about RPGs here. That's kind of our favorites. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a platformer or a shooter or whatever, uh, if you're a shooter, I know you like SOCOM too. But, uh, <laughs> but man, that that is. If I ever get millions of dollars, millions upon millions upon millions, I'm going to remake SOCOM too and put it out. <laughs> Have my own servers. <laughs> It'd be awesome, man. It is such a good game. But anyway, you always wonder if it's as good as you remember, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can still play it. Um, you have to kind of go a roundabout way. Some All the fans have put up their own routers, um, X-Link and stuff like that. And everybody's claiming they're going to remake it. It's happened over and over. Oh, just give me your money. I got a bunch of developers lined up. We're going to remake this game. And nobody no, ever, ever does. But, um, but anyway, you know, it's just kind of fun to think about. But. Well, uh, you got anything else you want to add, man? Games, positive, negative? Um, that's that's really it. I'm definitely looking forward to Resident Evil Two remake this yeah, year, this that's month. True. That that is oh, it's this that's month. what I'm excited. For. Yeah, I think I it's it was in February. two weeks. I thought it was too, but I'm pretty sure it's this month. I'm not going to get it right away, but I, that is definitely on my radar. Yeah, it looks great. It's supposed to be more scary. I mean, it's more stuff, mm-hmm. more horror emphasis instead of the you know i liked it the way it was um mm-hmm. it was definitely more horror emphasized than uh resident evil 3 but uh resident evil 3 was like the the beginning of the different types of resident evil yeah i did like three though it was I but you're too. right I that it was different four. um i loved four five was good i couldn't get into six i might have to force myself to get through that but i loved seven but i didn't get to play yeah. the dlcs so looking forward to I two. didn't play seven, but I, I bought six. It was on sale and uh I looked at the reviews and I don't remember really think it was like a six point ten or whatever, and I asked the guy at GameStop, I was like, Is this one, you know, bad? And he's like, Well, it's just opinions you know, opinions vary on it. It's and I played it. Weird. I thought it was fine. It was weird because I like I was looking forward to the Leon campaign, but then uh it just didn't play right. It did the controls didn't feel right. And I know they Okay. They did a little bit different because they're like, okay, so here's the horror elements. So we're going to do the horror zombie elements with Leon. We're going to do the Resident Evil 5 elements with Chris. And then, yeah, then the other dude. 
So I didn't like how they you switched. You know, you had to do scenarios. I'm not a big scenario fan guy like that. I just like I feel like I'm playing three different games that I can't ever get into one. Mm-hmm. You know, one com- I invest all this time and again building the guy up, and then I go to a brand new guy. You know, so you know I'm not. That's kind of what we touched on at the beginning of this podcast about mm-hmm. how we like to get our guys built up, but. You know that that did I did not like that about it, but I thought it I thought it controlled fine or whatever. I mean, I hadn't played it in a while, but um, we played Resident Evil Five online, mm-hmm. which is really fun. That was and, fun, uh, yes. Re- Revelation six seventeen. We we finished that. Um, I think we tried to get all the achievements and all that. Played it on like very hard or something, where like if you get touched, you die essentially. <laughs> uh, it was really hard at the very beginning, where you're in that little junkyard, and. Um, you know, if you, uh, the zombies would throw things at you, if one of them hits you, you're automatically down. Boom. You know, yeah. you're not, you're not expecting that. You can't see them. And I don't remember if we, we, I really can't remember if we tried that and we were like, dude, we're not playing this. This is too, this is ridiculous. Or if we just fought our way through that part and it got a lot easier after that. But, um, do you remember that? Did you, you remember five pretty, pretty well? Or yeah, I did. did play I, I played it through tech school. I didn't do multiple playthroughs like I did with the other games, but I did play it. And, uh, I really, I, because Chris was one of my favorite characters. So like, I was really excited to get to play him. Um, I think the inventory management with the game was not as good as, I mean, there, there were the Resident Evil was notorious for the inventory management being hot garbage, but yeah. like, I think the way they did it with this one, it was, uh, a lot more difficult because then like you didn't want to give your partner if she was an ai you didn't want to give her the best weapons because she's just going to blaze through all the ammo so then you keep giving her the hand-me-downs but then she's getting her butt kicked and you're like oh yeah i gotta manage this npc and uh yeah so when you play two players there's a part on the game where uh and i don't remember the story at all but there's some woman not ava or i don't even know if she's in that one but it's a bad guy and she has this little jewel stuck in her chest right here. Oh. And that's uh, what's making her evil. Oh, yeah, Jill. Oh, okay, so it's Jill. Yeah, okay, it so Jill. you have to, you have to, you know, in the fight, in the boss fight, you have to restrain her somehow and then grab the, mm-hmm. the thing and you like push in circles real fast or A, you know, real fast, whatever. And it, and it takes forever. So we thought we were doing it wrong. So we're like, dude, I don't know what we need to do. So. Uh, it's me and, like I said, Revelation 617. This dude can snipe on video games, dude. And I'm not kidding you. Uh, and she's moving around. Uh, uh, you know, when you hold her and she's just moving. He had the sniper rifle from across the thing. Bing, and hit it with a sniper rifle bullet. I was like, dude, did you just snipe that, man? That is unbelievable. So we thought you just had to shoot it off. And mm-hmm. if you miss, it kills her. And you got to start all over. Oh, if you don't wow. want to kill her. And... Uh, yeah, man, we'd have the guns out pointing like, all right, shoot right now, right now. And I, this is this is way more difficult than an average gamer can you know can do. Mm-hmm. I might but, have to play um, that game again just to see, and then play six. I remember on a Call of Duty, he had a it's like the final kill in this. He was he was sniping and uh, Re- Revelation again. He was sniping and he had the final kill. You know, it shows everybody the final kill cam. Mm-hmm. And this dude was out. So the guy knew that. Rev was sniping, and he's out there running around out in the field. On this, and Revelation's laying on top of a train car, and you see the scope. And this dude's like dodging, jumping around, and that scope crosshair stayed right on that dude's head the whole time. 
I was like, man, that is unbelievable. Wow. Like, how do you know that he's turning and all this, and then it just, pow, it's over. I I oh, was never I cow. was never good at those games. I I played Modern Warfare two, and it was probably that was the time I peaked, and that was it. So we were doing the yeah. Russia map where they had the trench that you go in the center of the map. So as soon as we yeah. started, I just went and I was like, I snuck to the other side. Like, so I never got caught. It was like the first like minute of the thing. And I happened to throw a sticky grenade. It hits a dude. <laughs> it kills three of them at this, uh, three or four of them at the same time. And then I get the predator missile. So then I launched the predator missile against another three or four. And then it gave me the, the Pavlo and, it threw oh, the Pavlo yeah. in, and it gave me another Predator missile, and I threw the Predator missile, got the Pavlo, and then the mission, the, the the round was done. And then, like, everything was quiet, and then everyone's like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. And it was oh, like, love it. And, that, and I never I never did good ever since again. That was it. That was like 10 years ago. I'm happy. I'm proud of myself for that, and I'll never touch a Call of Duty again. Oh, man. Yeah, you can get a nuke for killing 25 and 0. Yeah. Like, you're too good, man. We're just going to end this. That's like the uh, skunk, you know, they when you're way too far ahead. You know, he's like, There's 25 and 0. They can't win. Mm-hmm. Just give them a nuke and end this thing. So, uh, but anyway, man, uh, we'll go ahead and call that good, dude. That was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I appreciate you joining. Yes, sir. So, well, all right, uh, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening. And uh, take care.